Elvis Grin on the radio. It's a collaborative art audio and project where we share stories, songs, and jokes, interview friends and community members of the world and life and be My mom used to live in Paris, France for years, and she spent time in Maine before France. She loves French and Indian food and smoothies. She made a lot of art work, like mostly prints and weaving of winter clothes. She's perfect for spinner works and used to work for spin-off studios with artists from 2012. She works with Farmers Market in Poland and Birmingham. She works for everyone from 2012 into now. Welcome to Alva the Radio Station. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, You're welcome. I'm really, really excited about your podcast, and it's a big honor to be asked to be here. I'm Manon, and I'm an artist, and I work up at Spinoff, oh, at, sorry, at Spindleworks Offsite in Hollowell. Um, <laughs> And so you know me from up there, maybe, or maybe you know me from the printmaking I do and the farmer's market or other places around town. Yeah. Um, and I heard about Spindleworks through my friend at the time, Anna, and my other friend, Sarah Cox, who okay. both told me about a position that had opened um, uh, during the same week I was um, someone who picked up a farm share at the same farm where Anna is. And so she and I were always chatting and she had already told me about Spindleworks. And then Sarah Cox told me that she thought I would enjoy working there. And I wholeheartedly agreed. So I thought I'd apply for the job. So what year did you, what year did you apply for the job? And what inspired you to work with people who had disabilities? Um, I, I think it was in 2012. I'm pretty sure it was in 2012, in May of 2012, that I applied for the job. And I remember um, I started at the same time as a fabulous other person whom you know, named Brian Braley. We started at the same time. So we did our training together and that was really fun. Um, and I think working with, I well, let me rewind. I love working with people of any ability. And I have different friends with different abilities. And I was really excited at the opportunity to make art with all sorts of abilities and talents and so on. I was, I had been working as a graphic designer alone in a house for five years with um, my little kid and I just was delighted to be a part of a creative community and I thought Spindleworks was one of the most creative communities I had ever met. I've um, worked in the arts for a while and I loved the energy and how bubbly and effervescent the creative juices were and okay. so that was what I liked about Spindleworks. Right, and what question, made me the next question I have for you is why did you pick Maine to live live in? Because maybe you went to college and you like Maine, or maybe your family moved to Maine. 
Um, that's a really good question. Um, I picked to live in um, for many reasons. I was born in Maine and then moved away when I was three and moved around a lot. The one place we always came back to was Maine. So that was one reason. It had been a constant in my life since I was a little kid, but I hadn't lived there. And my parents had moved here about two years before I did. And I had a sister living in Maine as well. And so I had a good amount of my family here. So that was another really big reason. And thirdly, it's such an amazing place to live. It has the mountains, it has the ocean, it has delicious food and the community is, um, it's an incredible community. Yes, I, I had the same span you have. I grew up with me, I was a little girl, little traveling Maine all the time because my father, my parents had best friends and they moved to Maine and, and we went to Maine all the time for summer vacation. So, so my family decided to move to Maine how, how many languages do you speak? Um, I speak three languages. I speak English, French, and German, and a little bit of other languages, but not enough to say I really speak them. I mean, you're lucky because my parents, they spoke German and Danish and never taught us the language. So. I think I think it used to be almost looked down on if you yeah. if you arrived in the U.S. and and didn't learn English. I think it used there used to be people who didn't um, agree with keeping the language from where you came, and I think that's changing a lot now. Yes. What is what is like in Paris? Um. So when I lived in Paris, it was, um, I was going to school and I was working at the same time. So I was inside a lot of buildings and in the subway a lot. So I spent a lot of time underground. Paris is an amazing city, but if you're living there and working there and going to school there, it can sometimes feel like any, and maybe not any other city, your surroundings are amazing, but you can't enjoy them the same way you would if you were able to walk slowly through it or go investigate the cool old street. It's, you're often stuck in the hustle and bustle of trying to get things done. Yeah. Um, but it is an amazing city because everywhere you walk is hundreds of years old. And mm -hmm. so your commute, you can travel, you know, two centuries of time just by walking to your school. So that was a really cool aspect of living in Paris. A lot of money to live there or the same like in America that cause the money. I think it was comparable to other big cities in America. I think it's more like, you know, here there's prices and cost of living in the country right. and prices. Right. It's like that in France as well, where you can live for a lower cost of living in the country and Paris is very expensive by comparison. Okay, where do you live in Paris? Where did I live in Paris? Yeah. I live in the 11th arrondissement, which is a neighborhood. It's Paris is divided into all numbers of neighborhoods. And I was in number 11, which is kind of in the middle. Paris is like a snail shell. And the numbers start at one in the middle of the snail shell and they get bigger as you go out towards the perimeter. My mom had an apartment in Paris and she was 
don't know what number book was this, but it's like a, it's like yours for a simple. Mm. There's lots of little neighborhoods. Ah, I'd, I'd love to hear about what that was like from her at some point. My questions are um, holiday questions. Shocking. <laughs> um, <laughs> what is your favorite holiday movie classic for number one? Ooh, that's a great one. Um, I think Home Alone. I've seen that once and I've seen the Home Alone 2 once. That one I like as well. <laughs> those, are the only, those are the only two I've seen. I haven't seen, I I, haven't seen any others. Oh, I haven't seen any of the others too. I didn't even know there were others. <laughs> There's like, um, I think it's like at least maybe five of them tops. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I think we forgetting him. <laughs> if I got chime in, it's the three, the home alone one, when you left, when you were home by himself, then they went to New York. He got yeah. left in New oh, York. Then another one was somebody else, another another young person. Then they made another one, I think, on Disney Plus. All right. Yeah. I, I remember the two had Tim Curry, who's an actor I really like in it. Yeah, and um, and there's another one where the where the father gave him a um, with a little Michael Control car, and and some Indian Michael Control car. There was a it was something in him, yeah, and the bad guys wanted it from him. And, oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's great. I, I'm going to have to find that third one. Thank you for telling me about it, Kim. Yeah. You're welcome. But you're on, if we drive on family, um, the family channel. All right. Now I know where to look. <laughs> Disney Plus, my non Disney Plus. And that too. Noted. Thanks, Dustin. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Second one is. Favorite holiday, no, favorite Christmas moment. Favorite Christmas moment. I think um, one of my favorite Christmas moments is after things have been opened in the morning, we have a tradition of going outside and in the town where we live, there's um, the firefighters flood a little area. So there's a little ice skating rink. So I think my favorite moment is when we have belly full of, you know, delicious holiday food and we've opened everything up and we're all outside together ice skating. I think that's my favorite moment. Cool. All right, and number three is, do you have holiday items? No, do you have holiday sales for your items? Do I have holiday sales for my items? Um, I There's one show I do every year and that was the first show I ever did. And this year it's the only show I did. And that's a sale. <clears throat> and that's the uh, Bodenham Guild of Artisans show. And otherwise, but by sale, do you mean, do I discount my item or do you mean a show where I sell my things? <laughs> um. <laughs> 
That's a good question. I, I have no idea what they mean by this question. So uh, I'll, I'll come in. Okay. <laughs> so I'll, I'll keep my in. I, think, I don't I discount think, at the holidays. I think, <laughs> I think, I think when I said in, it was, it was about um, if you do count you, the item, you know, something. Yeah. No, I actually don't discount at the holidays because that's the time when people are really excited to support others. Um, I often discount in January after the holidays. Oh, that makes sense. I just want to know when you make something, you know, like a big project or a small project, how much do you practice for? Because now Spinnerworks, when it went, when it was Spinnerworks, they asked how much the price for, and Molly asked me how much the price is, because I never know, because I never, I can't remember how long I made, how long I made it for, how long it yeah. took me to make it, because I, I, I don't remember. Because if you go to a program one day, one day, you don't don't remember how long it took you. So, so what the range, the price it you you look at it first, or to as a piece you make, then you size the the price. There's definitely different ways you can figure out how to price your things. Um, I when it's a commission, when someone is paying me for a project, I keep track of time. And I have a certain amount I charge per hour. And so every quarter hour, I keep track of. Um, and so a project that someone has paid me to do, I can charge them and I'll say, look, I worked X amount of hours and this is equals to this much money. When it's a project I have worked on, it really depends. There's some things I'm really good at and I can do a lot of it really fast. And there's some things that take me years and years to do. Um, so I price depending on, I know there's a formula for the amount of time and the cost of materials. So that's a really good rule of thumb is to look at your time and materials and then figure it out based from there. I will often look at where I'm selling and see if anyone else has materials of the same sort I do. So if someone has, you know, printmaking that they've done and I have a similar uh, method of printmaking and we're both printing on paper, I'll say, huh, I wonder what they're charging for. And then I'll look at the other five printmakers and often I'll notice there's a range. Some are higher, some are lower, but if I go sort of in the middle, that's where I go. So okay. it'll depend a little bit on that. And I also have what I call the no thank you price. When I okay. have a piece of art I really love, but gee, I promised myself I would sell it. I might put the price a little higher than I would have otherwise, because that's how much it'll cost for me to say bye-bye to that piece. Okay, okay. I got I got questions from my non. I just come I just I just found some. Excellent. Thanks, Justin. Now, how do you make Mod Podge with art? How do I make, do you mean art with Mod Podge? Yes. Um, 
well, I can I can answer that in so many ways. Mod Podge is like a Swiss Army knife that has lots of different ways you can use it. Okay. Um, I've used it to make fabric stiff to make earrings. I've used it for paper mache. So you mix it with water and dip paper and so on. You can use Mod Podge anywhere you would use Elmer's glue. Um, you can use it as a varnish. You can to seal over works. Okay. Am I missing one? Can you guys think of another? Any other uses that I'm missing? Yes, I yeah. can. You can also use it to um to preserve stuff. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Abigail. You want to? You can use it if I did a long time ago. It's been the world. I took it my pictures and I printed on paper. Then I mod podge over them. Then they dry on on a hot canvas. Mm -hmm. And when it dried, when the cam when the mod podge dried, I took one wad and scratched it off. You know. Ah, so you removed the paper and the image stayed in the Mod Podge. So you did an yeah. image transfer. Yes. That's so cool. I didn't know you could do that. You can do that on a piece of wood too. Kim, yeah. I'm so excited. I wanna I'm I'm going to look that yes. up. Thank you for okay. telling me Mod Podge could do that. Okay, second question. Why did it come back to spin-offs and spin-off studios? Why did I come back? Yes. Because I love working there. I knew that. When you first came in <laughs> in 2012, you were working with Jonathan. Yeah, but I was also working with a lot of you and doing amazing work, right? Okay, here's a question. Good question for everybody. And you too, by the way, because you got started when I got started together. <laughs> Do you ever remember the first project we ever made together? Was it the Glee Closet? Oh, yeah, I still have it. Yeah, you do. It's at the program, by the way. Why do yeah, you I know. It? It's, it's still fabulous. Why are you inspired of working with people with disabilities? Oh, gosh. I, well, I mean, I think you, you, it happened tonight. I learn every day. Every day I learn something new. Today I've learned 20 new things, including that I can do image transfers with Mod Podge. Okay, here's the picture. If you can see it. I don't know if you can. Oh, wait, wait, let me, let me take my camera here. Hold on, folks. She's right there, right here. She can see it. Oh, Kim, that's really cool. Yeah, if that's you look it up. Beautiful. That's a great piece. With, with a photo picture. You have to use your pictures like your mother took, you know, when, when, back when we growing up together. Yeah, took, like a uh, photo film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that, that's you use, right? Yeah. Then you um somehow you transfer on there. I don't know. You gotta you, you gotta look it up on um, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Okay. Um I have a question that just came into mind. Um sure. What did it inspire you to to make your artwork? How did your artwork got started? Oh, that's another really good question. Um, 
I can't remember when my artwork got started. It's more, I can't remember ever not making art. I've always, even just if you put me in a field with mud, I'll make something out of mud. I've always played by making. I think I've always been a maker. I've always loved to draw. And so, and I always used to get in trouble for cutting up my clothes and painting on them when my, anyways. So it's almost been more of a pro, like I, I, I make art when I shouldn't make art. And at least now I can make art all the time. Okay. <laughs> so. um, did you know that your art will be, did you, did you know when you, when you were dabbling in the art, you know, going around when, you, when you're younger? Did you know your art would come be bigger and so amazing? Oh, um, I I didn't I didn't know what it would become. I didn't realize that it was something um, that I couldn't separate from. I, every time I try to not make art, um, I, I I don't do as well. So. Um, and the art itself, it seems to have a life of its own in a funny way. I don't know if this happens to you as an artist where you look at things you made a long time ago and either, and you can't believe you were the one who made that one way or another. I had um, yeah, and, and so sometimes I really don't like what I've made in the past and I, I get embarrassed by older things I've made, but I find it really interesting to look at older work as a pathway yes. to what it is today. And it's I, I love thinking about the fact that every single piece of art anyone has made feeds into the next one. It's like dominoes. Yes. And anything I make now would not have existed without all that really bad art I made along the way. <laughs> do, you, do you sell, if you make it the strawberry, and when you print it, it had like a line in it. Do you sell it or do you give away some or you have like a discount? I put glitter I on. I used to buy art from Angie. She, she used to put from the works. And the mother had like a discount. You know, uh -huh. not perfect, yeah. not perfect, um, not perfect bowls. So I bought one in her, her bowls, you know, because I liked it. They're even perfect in them, because I'm not great in doing clay now, so I know I know. And I beg to differ. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And do do you do you price do you when you have something that perfect, do you sell it or do you give it to a family? It depends. Um, when I was doing a lot of what I call production work, meaning selling things specifically for market. Um, I had a standard for those. So those I wouldn't sell things smudged or et cetera. What I would do is I had a bag called my seconds bag. Yeah. And once a year at the Guild of Artisans show yeah. on the last day of the show, that was usually really quiet. I would advertise that it was seconds sale and everyone knew it only happened once a year and it brought a lot of people to the sale. Yeah. It would come and get those discounted shirts. I will come if you have it again. Somehow I will come buy one. Your so because to me, to me, um, I'm not really a printmaker, but I do do a printmaker sometimes. 
And, and, and you I, are I, I a believe... wonderful printmaker, Kim. Okay. Again, I beg to differ. You are you are a very talented printmaker. I have and, seen and, your work. And and I like people working now. I like buy second hands or or whatever it is gonna be now. Because I mean I wear it and I'm proud wearing them. I hear you. I, I understand. I love collecting other people's work too. I really respect work made yeah. by other artists. And I would be yeah. delighted and honored if I will definitely let you know if I do a second sale. If I can't make it, I'll just, I'll just ask you to, you know, show me what you sell and then I can send you a check in from home. Because I don't drive a car and sometimes hard for me to get places. Yeah. We'll, um, we'll be, we'll, we'll keep each other informed, okay? Yeah, thank you. Okay. I got another question from my Okay, go ahead, Justin. Your first year in Maine. What do you do in Christmas when your first year in Maine? My first year in Maine, what did I do at Christmas? Um, it was a year where there was a lot of snow. And I built a snowman that was two stories high. We used planks and stuff to roll balls big enough, and we made a gigantic snowman. I remember that story. <laughs> And that's it for questions for me, by the way. And Abigail Perfect. took all and Kim took one away. Well, you know what? That's a it doesn't matter because guess what? I actually kind of have to go pretty soon anyways. So I'm I'm it's perfect timing, Justin. Right. Uh, so mm -hmm. I just want to say thank you so much to be on the podcast. And mm -hmm. Brian would edit it, you know, for us because he's a Tech Thank stopping. You. And, Thank you. and and he will let you know when you're gonna be when you're gonna be in on whatever it's gonna be in on. You, you can hear, hear yourself. Thank you so much to each of you for preparing such great questions. Bye. 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 Bye.